This is the Convergent Science Network podcast. Leading researchers in the domain of neuroscience, brain theory and technology are interviewed by Paul Verschur and Tony Prescott. Okay. This is Paul Verschur with the Convergent Science Network podcast. And I'm here with uh, Stefano Ferreira, um, who was one of our speakers in our summer school today. And Stefano, you talked about logical neurons for logical reasoning. Um, what what does it exactly mean? Yeah, to me, uh, it's a um, the first evidence. I mean, in, at least in the neurophysiological literature on uh, non-human primates, that neurons in the brain are able to code for a logical property. That is the one that is related to the transitive inference uh, mm -hmm. task. Okay, so. So we're talking we're talking monkeys here, primates, yeah. right? And um, so what you're trying to assess is okay. What what's the logical capability of of the monkey as an organism, and how much that can we recover in in the neural response? So what what's exactly the task that you were studying? Yeah, the task is a uh, uh, is named as a transitive inference task. Has been used in different forms in uh, many uh, types of animals. Uh, in few words, uh, is the uh, ability to conclude that A is uh, higher uh, than C after learning that A is uh, higher than B and B higher than C. Mm -hmm. So okay. to conclude that the the first one is uh, is necessary to have a, a kind of relationship between the all the value presented and then to to be able to argument, to obtain more information that the, those are provided at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Right, so it's like it's, you have a sequence of, of magnitudes, let's say, and you learn to to make inferences about these relationships. Correct. Right? And, and you also, you do draw a parallel to the the social life of, of certain kinds of primates. Was it just to introduce the, the topic, or do you really see this as reflecting a, a, a need that they have in their... In the wild, no, it was a way to introduce, but it's also true that in the other animals where the property of transitive inference uh, has been shown, this is always stronger. I mean, uh, more evident in animals that are used to live in social organized groups. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there and might be there a is one uh, one of study that uh, compared two uh, types of birds, very similar in the species. But since one of the two has, uh, 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 lives normally in the in large group, while the second one is uh, as a group of very reduced, uh, the the evidence is in this study was that the the transitive inference properties was more evident in the all in the one mm -hmm. uh, living in large organized right. groups. Okay, okay. So now the specific task. That, that the monkey was exposed to was essentially using different kinds of, of shapes, yep. fairly abstract shapes. And you would present pairs of shapes and then one of them would, would lead to reward in the training phase, right? Would give reward. The second one would not give reward. Uh, and then in the next pair, you would take, let's say, the, the second pattern that didn't get reward. You would present it with the third pattern. Yeah. And then... The, the second pattern would get reward, and the third one wouldn't get reward, etc. And that's how you go down the chain. Right? Yeah. So we have a certain specific sequence. And then in the test <coughs> phase, 
you present the animals now with randomly selected pairs of the whole sequence that they were trained on. Including they, uh, those trained. Exactly. And then they have to choose the one that would give them more reward than the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, 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 that's the whole uh, task. So um, so what, what do you then really observe when monkeys perform this task? How good are monkeys at this task? Um, actually, surprisingly, the monkey were very good uh, on performing, on actually on learning the general idea of the task of this st- and uh, acquiring the strategy. Uh, after less than three weeks of initial training, uh, both monkeys we used uh, were able to uh, play with figures to uh, recognize by trial and error the that there is an imposed uh, series that the experiment presented to them and then to use this information also at the moment of the test when novel figures, never matched figures during during training are are presented like concluding in a sequence from A to F who is the the rewarded one between B and E. Mm -hmm. Right. But now, in the training, what what kind of if we talk about a difference in reward magnitude, that's the amount of juice you get. If you go to the the stimulus, the pattern with the highest reward and the lowest reward, what's the difference in reward that they got? Kind of magnitude. No, we we never about? introduced this uh, uh, this variable to the task. That is actually interesting and could be a. a explore in the, in the future at least uh, this is our hope uh, but the the so the, to say differently the the amount of reward was always the same mm-hmm. for each pair there was a rewarded symbol at uh, the unrewarded one so there was never a, a, a symbol with this the strong amount of, of, mm-hmm. of reward and the, the other one with less. Mm-hmm. So that the comparison was always relative with, within the, each pair. Mm-hmm. And the, the series was b- created because the different pair were presented consequently. Right, exactly. Yeah. So that would mean in your test phase, you cannot combine all possible patterns because then you would have two patterns that in that sequence would never have been rewarded or would always have been rewarded. No, in the test, all the comparisons are compared. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the pairs, okay. all the possible pairs are mm-hmm. compared. Okay. So uh, that would mean you you might present patterns that in the combination would never have been rewarded in any way. Uh, uh, well, that's not yeah, true. No, it's not true because okay. the only one uh, figure on, the, on a sequence of six mm-hmm. uh, using letter is E. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. F is F. Mm-hmm. Uh, the F is never rewarded That's during right. the learning. Exactly. While A is always mm-hmm. rewarded. So uh, one uh, easy conclusion is that the, it's very easy. It's very simple for the monkey to uh, to uh, conclude when A and E are present in the in the test, but this our data showed that it's no, uh, it's, it's not true. It's not mm-hmm. just a simple relationship between uh, reward history and uh, okay and uh, uh, logical assumptions. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, what's what's the question again? No, no so the, my my question is just about the test. Whether there's not a bias in the test because, no. like you say now, in its no. stimulus, F is never rewarded. Yeah. So in some sense, there are probe trials where you have pairs that include stimulus F. Uh-huh. 
which are, would be much easier to evaluate than if you would have uh, any other combination of stimuli from A to E. Yeah, but still uh, having E and F that are adjacent in the mm-hmm. pair uh, presentation when uh, uh, during learning is sometimes, because the, the performances are probabilistic, sometimes more difficult than comparing B and F, mm-hmm. even if F is always there and F was never right. reported. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a surprising effect that you found, right? That if you if you now do these test trials, and we present uh, combinations of, of of stimuli, if you would have A and B, um, there in terms of reaction time, the monkey might take longer to make a decision than if you present A or A and E, right? So how do you explain that? Why why yeah, would that this, be? Uh, this is right. The the one was suspecting that the uh, those. Uh, uh, figure uh, more presented during learning are the one more easily coded, mm-hmm. and this is no what emerged from the behavioral data. The, the behavioral data shows that uh, uh, comparing figures that are more far located in the uh, series are, is absolutely easier mm-hmm. for the animal. Uh, so the uh, this is quite a surprise that according to some people uh, that uh, presented model in the literature, this is uh, probably due to the noisy representation of each symbol in the series. And then uh, comparing two very close symbols that are noisy is much more complicated because of the noisy when uh, that comparing two symbols that are far located. But could it not be an interference effect of multiple memory systems? Interference, uh, I think interference and, and the noisy it's it's the same because no, noisy means that the the symbol is not very well mm-hmm. coded uh, when you compare the code to the uh, very close to to them to mm-hmm. the other uh, symbol very close to them in the series. So if there is no noise, it means that they, they are very well classified. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, but so noise, if they are not very well classified, don't you, there is uh, mm-hmm. interference. Sure, but don't you agree that noise is a bit a dissatisfactory explanation of variability in nature? Because basically we're not actually explaining anything. We just say, well, yeah. there's some, some uncontrollable variability here. Well, you could also argue that maybe... So the strange thing is, if if I'm being trained on a certain pair A, B, mm-hmm. right? And I'm being tested on A and C or A and B, and I compare my, my reaction time or my accuracy, it's worse than A and B. So I could argue, well, maybe since I'm instantaneously confronted with A and B in the training set... It's also a pattern association mechanism that comes into play. There's a perceptual mechanism that comes into play. It says, well, maybe maybe A and B is, let's see, one category. Mm-hmm. Okay, And now I get two competing memory-dependent processes. Right, One telling you something about, let's say, the magnitude order, the order of presentation, and the interference comes from a process that not all these things belong together, let's say. So that you really have interference between specific cognitive processes as opposed to a non-specific noise with a decision-making stage. I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I actually believe that there are different levels of representation. One is that represent in the, uh, that uh, the single symbol are represented in the brain. The other one is that the pair starts to be represented. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Uh, since the, the figure B is present in both A, B and B, C, Mm-hmm. And uh, in the two cases, the probability or reward is 50%. Mm-hmm. Then uh, the representation in the pair 
need to be need to be because it's much more convenient, more noisy than the representation mm -hmm. on the on the single item. Right. So at the time when the monkey is required to to answer which one is uh, uh, linked to the reward of the never presented, the never experienced pair, for the monkey is very easy because there was no code, no previous code assigned to them. Mm -hmm. So there, there's no ambiguity because there is, it's no part of the ABBC conflict. Mm -hmm. It's a BD. Mm -hmm. So the monkey for the for the monkey the job is easier, but this is my my point. Okay. To to mm -hmm. to to try to to figure out what's what's the uh, the category of the pair mm -hmm. uh, based on the even in the conflicting experience, right. but mm -hmm. based on previous experience. Mm -hmm. Because one interpretation could also be you might interpret a single stimulus presentation as let's say an episode, a memory episode, mm -hmm. right? In which everything comes together. It's okay, mm -hmm. I, I saw these two patterns together yeah. and now I see some other patterns together. So then those episodes might be then chained together in the sequence, right? So, but, and that comparisons between episodes and within episodes are actually very different processes. That that's essentially what you're, what you're seeing. Yeah, I yeah? agree. Okay, but then you made you made also think an important point to, to in terms of because you you want for you the, this data is pointing to an ability for for logical operations. Mm -hmm. Now for that you must exclude interpretation that would say well this is just reward dependent on the reward that you receive you form certain associations between events and it's just a very direct recall of these associations. So why can you why can you how can you exclude this interpretation? Uh, the, uh, the the approach that we use it that is uh, uh, referred to the other similar approach in the literature is that uh, we ask the monkey to uh, to to learn two different chains and uh, in this case the history or reward is uh, distributed differently in the two chain and then uh, at the at the end of the learning of the two separate chain we ask the monkey to to link the two chains by providing them the relative value of the extremes that mm -hmm. means uh, c in the abc chain and d in def chain mm -hmm. and uh, the evidence show that the uh, shows that the uh, the monkey is still expressing behaviorally uh, the same uh, performance uh, than uh, when the chain is, is unique, mm -hmm. even if the reward is not uh, anymore uniformly uniformly distributed to explain the 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 the, the relative value only based on, mm -hmm. on this attribute. Right. So we conclude that the, probably the monkey is not only basing. The, their conclusion on the reward, but uh, it's also using the information mm -hmm. uh, provided previously differently. And this this kind of in this kind of chaining test. Yeah. So let's, let's say we have two sequences, like you say A, B, C, and with D, E, F, and now suddenly I present the the monkey with a B and E as yeah. a pair, right, to evaluate. Um, does the monkey immediately respond to that correctly, or they have to learn? that this is now a relevant question? Unfortunately, I, I have no answer to this question because we haven't looked to this uh, data at uh, this level of detail. But I know from all of our data that the, the during the task, the monkey continue to, to learn. Mm -hmm. But this is normal. 
Of course. Uh, so, uh, uh, so I don't know if in the chain experiment mm -hmm. the, there is already mm -hmm. the evidence of right. the the link right. between exactly. the two. No, because so your point is, look, that they can do this in the, that they perform well in the chain experiment would require some form of reasoning. Mm -hmm. Let's say a deliberation would say, well, no, I had to have this sequence, A, B, C, and ah, this was the other sequence, D, F. Now uh, E was later than B in in my in the, yeah. in the learning in the learning phase. So now I know I have to choose for B, yeah. right? But I could, you could also argue that maybe again this is a perceptual learning process because now uh, the first time I see B and E, so the two exemplars from the two different sequences, I had don't know what to do. Let's say, I, but they're presented together. They're mm -hmm. now conjunctive, and. Dependent on my choice, I get reward or no reward. So I could learn a new contingency. Yeah. So how could you exclude that interpretation? Again, I'm not able to exclude it without looking at the trials on the on the first trials of the test. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I I bet also that you do agree that this is not simple as sensory motor transformation of the mm -hmm. of the symbol in the response. I mean, there is something that uh, is more than uh, uh, associating uh, symbols to response. Mm -hmm. So th when the, the the overall effect of the symbolic distance effect, that is the, mm -hmm. the the performance that changes with the distance between the symbols that are supposed to be located in the mental space differently, uh, and uh, and this behavioral effect is still there after linking two different chain, I think it's a good mm -hmm. argument in favor of, it's not a conclusion. Right. Mm -hmm. and, uh, no, that's indeed yeah. interesting, right? So so, so I, we have these alternative interpretations and we can, <coughs> we can come back to that later. But indeed what you, what you subsequently showed is that the two, the, the two main phenomena you then looked at was what you called symbolic distance and serial distance and you compared the two. Right. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference between what's a symbolic distance and what is serial distance? How are they different? Yeah, the symbolic distance is defined as the effect in the behavioral measure that is the measures that are the reaction time and the performance that is uh, essentially better. I mean, uh, the performance increase and the reaction time is reduced when the symbols to be compared are more distant each other. Mm -hmm. So comparing B and E is easier than comparing the learned one B and C mm -hmm. pair. Right. So this is the symbolic distance effect. It's a very strong effect that has been previously described in mm -hmm. humans too. And it's common to other quantity comparison like in the numerical literature. Mm -hmm. So again, in the numerical literature, when a subject is asked to compare between a number that is five as a reference in the in the first ten and uh, six or five and eight normal subjects are uh, uh, have more difficulty on concluding that six is higher than five than eight is higher than five mm -hmm. the second effect is the serial position effect uh, that is uh, uh, the evidence that the uh, in the learned uh, series the, the different symbols are not represented equally, mm -hmm. but they are uh, some, some way uh, organized around a, a, a center. Mm -hmm. That's in our case, the letter C. Yeah. That stay on the middle of the mm -hmm. series. But 
but before we, before <coughs> we go to that point, um, just to, about the um, if we look at symbolic distance, yeah. and we now take the case that we're linking two sequences together, mm -hmm. right? Now that my only the only sticking point I have is that if I have a three element sequence A B C that the combination C with anything from the second sequence is now an inconsistent pairing compared to everything else. Mm -hmm. Because C was never rewarded. Correct. Right? So is is that how is that how is that exception handled in the in terms of the performance of the monkey? Because it's like an exception that they must handle, right? Yeah, uh, it's, it's true that uh, you are uh, you are referring to local phenomena, yeah. while unfortunately we uh, analyzed our behavioral data at the global level. Okay, okay, all clear. So okay. uh, I, but uh, I think it's important uh, to re to uh, to remember that what is uh, one of the strategy that I suppose our animal were able to learn. That is that there is no absolute value of every symbol presented. It's the same of uh, uh, at the time when uh, B is presented for the first time with A, a B is never reinforced mm -hmm. in, a, in the block yeah, design right. of the learning. Exactly. But then uh, right after, B is presented together to C, and now mm -hmm. it's B reinforced. Yeah. So for the message that is provided to the, to the animal is that uh, uh, warning, there's a warning, the, the value of the of the symbol in terms of probability of getting a reward could be changed mm -hmm. shortly. And so this is probably the same that happens with C because the monkey already know that this is possible. And the, the two chain experiment, mm -hmm. even if the consolidation and the training was very long, longer than the mm -hmm. A, B uh, training of the first uh, of a single series, uh, the, no the monkey knows that the C is possible for the C to be categorized differently. Mm -hmm. And this is what happens with the linking pair. At the, at a certain point, I'm telling to the monkeys, uh, C is also a winner, only mm -hmm. when presented with D. Right, exactly. Okay. <coughs> but So then you're saying in the test phase itself, this might then mitigate this idea that it's an exception, that the monkey is just processing it as any other sequence, because as well, look, I might not get reward now, but maybe mm -hmm. in the future. This is what I believe. Yeah. Okay, all right. So then, if now for symbolic distance, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a term used also in the psychological literature. But in in your task, is it reasonable to really speak of a symbol uh, as you're using as you're using these patterns? And mm -hmm. and the monkey must also really react to the patterns as they are localized in space, right? They must really touch the screen at a certain x y position, and you could argue well. A symbol might be a difficult concept to define, but the one thing is that it is an internal representation that is independent of the actual sensory state. Uh, I, I think that the, that the okay the symbols are very large. Mm -hmm. They don't they don't need to be precisely recognized. Mm -hmm. I mean, and no even the position on the touch screen need to be precisely coded. Mm -hmm. For the monkey, the response is left and right. It's the same of a key press. Okay. So, uh, and the, what was that? No, what I mean more is that it's more. Is it fair to call the pattern that you use? You you project a pattern. 
Yeah, but the monkey, if you remember the video, the monkey is looking for the figure. It's not mm -hmm. uh, uh, stay still on the on the yeah. on the pattern. I right, mean, but, but I'm I mean, it's not. It doesn't look at the pair. It, lo mm -hmm. it looks for this figure. Right. And then uh, uh, there is uh, another behavioral data that uh, I, we haven't discussed. Is the eye movement? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, okay. The, 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 we know that. Uh, uh, if the first figure that is foveated is the wrong one, then uh, he moves the eye to the next one and then decide to move the arm. Okay. So there are uh, other aspects of the uh -huh. behavior that need to f be further exploded. Okay. <coughs> but what I'm after here, maybe it's a completely irrelevant semantic concern I'm expressing. But you, you want to measure something called symbolic distance, mm -hmm. but what you're using is also a spatially organized task with visual patterns that in themselves cannot be considered symbols. So what, what, what makes it symbolic? Yeah, I, I, okay, uh, I, I could agree that the term symbolic is not proper, but uh, for me is the, the way to refer uh, to something that is known to the lit literature. Okay. And I agree with you that probably a symbol is no, never created mm -hmm. uh, in this kind of a strategy mm -hmm. that we are imposing right. today anymore. Because it's uh, j just to be complete, uh, often in the animal study and even in human study, the symbol used before testing are always the same mm -hmm. in a way that the subject creates a symbolic representation right. of the symbol. Exactly. And actually, for some of the people that uh, discuss a lot on the behavioral relevance of uh, transitive inference, uh, this is a necessary step. Right. Okay. But in our case, we want to avoid that the monkey was just using uh, a well-coded uh, symbol to conclude mm -hmm. uh, on the comparison between two right. symbols. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, uh, and uh, I think this is uh, just maybe it's not the right one uh, solution, but it's a way to reduce our. No, no, look, I completely our, get it. Sure. Our uh, the number of factors right, that are exactly. uh, are there because remember that then we try to correlate this behavioral data with the neural with mm -hmm. a neural code. Right. And no, if, sure. it too, mm -hmm. if it too, if we have very very too many factors at the mm -hmm. same time. Uh, of course. No, moreover, um, it might so. As an operational definition mm -hmm. of a symbol, I think it's completely defendable. I agree. But we just have to be clear about what we're. So I agree with you that the right? symbolic uh, distance in this case is not properly. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, but now what you what you found used. is that if you look mm. at at the performance of the animal, so you look at the errors they make and their reaction times, the then you see that they perform better on on patterns or symbols as as we now call, can call them that are in the middle of the sequence as opposed to those that are at the beginning or the end of a sequence, right? Mm, no, the, the performance is better for the, uh, for the anchor points, mm -hmm. even for the one that uh, uh, include uh, uh, never enforce it. Okay, so, so the beginning and the end. The beginning and the end. And so yeah. how big is that modulation? In terms of difference and percent percentage of performance, Correct, yes, yeah. I think uh, twice. So it, it, it's, it's a, a big difference. It's a big difference in the two animals uh -huh. that we tested. Sure. Yeah. But how do you explain that? Or in, in, what does that uh, mean? I, I think that this is an, uh, a further evidence that the, 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 the different symbols are organized relatively to each other. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. uh, around uh, the two anchor points that I, are the A and F mm-hmm. of the sequence, and maybe also the the central one, that is the selector C. Mm-hmm. That uh, and uh, in uh, at least in the human literature, this is a further evidence that uh, a line, a mental line, is used because uh, sometimes people refer that to solve the task they do explore mentally the line by moving from the extremes toward the center to find the the item that uh, is required to be compared mm-hmm. so so how so if you interpret this as arranging now these symbols on the line mm-hmm. that would basically mean that okay i'm exposed to the task i know now what the beginning and the end of my line is mm-hmm. and then now it's like I, I build a chain right now i can stick the elements in that on that line is, is that correct that would be the idea yeah but that's what it was interesting of course that the two anchor points are in their quality radically different because exactly uh, this is a surprise it's still we have a very similar behavior that sim- means that the the behavior is not just uh, explained by the reward that's exactly right so do you see this as a form of latent learning for the endpoint? That so this is learning without an explicit instruction. Could be, yeah, it could be a mm. possibility. Yeah, could it also be a violation? I, I, I named this a strategy because uh, uh-huh. I think that the ne- monkey need to to have a, a solution because every day is uh, introduced in the lab. He doesn't know which figure will be used, mm-hmm. but the monkey knows that uh, he have to use this new figure to figure out. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, how they are located relatively each other. Right. So the uh, it could be that just the monkey normally, I mm-hmm. mean um, spontaneously, adapt uh, to this uh, mm-hmm. uh, allocation in this in the mental space of of the symbols presented. Right. Exactly. Uh, without any control. Mm-hmm. But now there's this also. Could you argue that this is like a segmentation of the task? Would you would you accept that? Or the uh, task domain? Uh, yeah, we, uh, let's let's say differently. I, I have no argument to conclude that this is not segmented. Mm-hmm. So I think that okay. uh, it's, uh, it's in favor of a segmentation. That's right. Because what what is interesting then is that if in some sense the monkey is saying, okay, I have a problem to solve. Yeah. These experimenters only show me always a subset of the task I must solve. I have to figure it out myself. So I have to learn the boundaries. I have to figure out what are the boundaries of my task, mm-hmm. right? Where, are, where do the relationships start and where do they stop? And in the performance, you see that, that actually a monkey is able to do that and also to draw very, very strict boundaries around yeah. that. But the strange thing is that this almost looks like a form of perceptual learning in the sense that it is a, it is an acquisition of, of knowledge about the task without explicit instruction because the beginning gets reward and the end gets nothing, right? So do you see that as, as a separate kind of learning process that, that imposes boundaries on this local structuring of the task or do you see it as an integrated process? I, I I believe that both are present, and mm-hmm. because uh, in the uh, the the, uh, the assumption that A is always reinforced and mm-hmm. F is never, it's no easy to explain why A and B is so difficult and A mm-hmm. and F is, is so difficult. So right. I think that there are two uh, interfering processes. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. that uh, works together. What is the tentative of the monkey to 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 generalize mm-hmm. to organize the the item uh, according to the general rule that has been introduced by the experiment? The second one is that there is a conflict mm-hmm. on the representation that right. is created. Okay, and then. So now for for the this this symbolic distance, mm-hmm. which is the magnitude relationships that we are being trained on, like or a binary relationship, mm-hmm. then we have the serial order effect. Yeah. Right. How is the serial order effect or the serial distance effect different from the symbolic distance effect? Well, the the serial order is the the phenomenon that we just described. That is the the fact that the the learned pair are no, are no. Mm, coded similarly mm-hmm. with the U shape described while the symbolic distance is the uh, relationship with the, the with the distance of the symbol compared in particular for never matched the symbols during the learning uh, uh, so that uh, could be named uh, novel novel pair mm-hmm. right so now, so with that now in mind, you started to look at the neural substrate. Yeah. And uh, you, you, st- you recorded you record it in the premotor cortex? Oh, it's prefrontal cortex this time, but we, we do also have... Uh, we, we pres- I present today uh, the data from prefrontal cortex. Uh, okay. We do also have data from premotor. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the reason is that uh, uh, in, the, in the literature, that is mostly in the human literature, yeah. using Im- imaging data, mm-hmm. The, the, the evidence is that some of the area of the cortex, essentially the prefrontal cortex, the premotor cortex, and the uh, posterior parietal cortex are, are involved to the transitive inference uh, mm-hmm. task. You know that the functional MRI doesn't provide the details to, to conclude what is the mechanism. So it's only, we only know that there are areas that are statistically activated. Right, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. While the subject are uh, um, are uh, execute are uh, are tested in a mm-hmm. similar task to the one right. that uh, I use in the, in the in the in the animal. So what did you what did you observe recording in prefrontal cortex? So the the, the observation that I think is uh, very straightforward is that uh, we have been able to find neurons that uh, are modulated in a way uh, similar, that uh, is another way is to say they are correlated to the behavioral effect that our animal is are able to show. Mm-hmm. So there are neurons modulated for the symbolic distance, other neurons are modulated for the, for the serial position, and a subpopulation of them, uh, at this, w- w- when analyzed at a single neuron, are uh, modulated by both. Uh, I specified single population, single uh, neural level, because when uh, uh, the average activity of all the neurons are uh, task related are uh, further in, investigated, then uh, what emerges is that uh, the the population of neurons, that is about half of the total population we we recorded with our movable electrode in the prefrontal cortex, is able to. Uh, to code both for the symbolic distance and the serial position effect. Mm-hmm. That is quite important because the, the two phenomena could be separated in the, in the brain as used differently by whatever code or, or, or um, the, the brain is using to solve the task. 
while uh, uh, showing, uh, being able to demonstrate that the same population is able to, to, to use the both signals means that probably mm -hmm. the one signals is uh, dependent on the, on the other. Okay. But now, what? so, so uh, the numbers you listed were about 50% responsive for yeah. serial position, 40% for symbolic distance, and then there were a few neurons across these two pools that were responsive to both. Yeah. So like 30% or 20% was yes, something? Yes, 20% to both. Okay. So, but now how, how do we know that this actually scales up? Because what you really measured is you, you present the monkey now with a pair or a pattern, mm -hmm. let's say, B and C or A and B, um, you record a neuron and now you, you basically sort all your trials and say, okay, let's, let's put all the trials together where I presented C as my first Correct. pattern to the left. And now I'm going to look at, okay, how do my neurons respond? And you will find the sensitivity of neurons to, let's say, C in the first position, right? Mm -hmm. And then you might find another neuron that says, okay, I like B in the second position, etc. But... That basically, at this point, only tells us that we are representing in some form the discrete elements or the elements of these of these sequences. So how do we know that this is the neural substrate of uh, the inference we want to look at? Okay, the one of the limits of the approach is that uh, uh, neurophysiology in non-human primates with the method of electrophysiology is unable to conclude about causality mm -hmm. okay so the the only possibility for a, a study exploring whatever behavior controlled in the in the in a whatever experimental setup is to find a, a relationship between the controlled variable mm -hmm. and the measured variable so it's a relationship so yeah. in our case we found a strong relationship between a behavioral uh, phenomenon that two mm -hmm. behavioral phenomena that is the symbolic distance and the serial position effect. Uh, being an, unable to find uh, such a relation will allow us to conclude that uh, the neurons code or the whatever neurons, the firing rate of neurons in prefrontal cortex is unable to participate properly mm -hmm. to the uh, behavioral. Uh, counterpart of the transitive inference task mm -hmm. right okay but uh, we are enabled f again for the limitation of, of the method mm -hmm. to conclude that the prefrontal cortex right. is necessary mm -hmm. and that the the task is uh, controlled selectively by that area that actually is something that i don't believe and other people don't believe too mm -hmm. in the area because we know that uh, patients uh, with the lesion at the uh, level of the hippocampus or the prefrontal cortex or the parietal uh, cortex has a different deficit, but always with the deficit deficit that uh, 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 imply that the sub these subjects are unable to solve a, a mm -hmm. task uh, like, uh, right. like the transitive uh -huh. inference one. Okay, but now tell me if I look if I look at. Uh, um, the serial position versus symbolic distance. How is the neural response to the symbolic distance difference different from the serial position response? Uh, so if I would give you a neuron, a, a response profile of a neuron, and I say, well, I, we measured this neuron while the monkey was performing this task, would you be able to just by looking at this response profile say, 
whether it does the serial position or the, the symbolic relation. I think that the, what the uh, analysis at the level of the population tell us is that uh, every neuron is able to provide a contribution to the to the uh, to the two factors, but maybe sometimes too noisy to reach uh, statistical mm -hmm. significance. So the first numbers that I I provided is that the uh, with a strong uh, statistical support, there are neurons that are well coded for the for the symbolic distance, mm -hmm. or they are well coded for the serial position, because th th this doesn't need only to be to have only one response dif different, but also to follow the model. Yeah. So you need to follow the mm -hmm. model of the behavior, and uh, because the requirements are too many for a single neuron, it could be too much. Mm -hmm. uh, so the the answer is that there are neurons that are, are more easy to, it's easier to find neurons in prefrontal cortex that remember is an area that often doesn't provide in the uh, discharge rate code so much contribution. To mm -hmm. say differently, neurons in prefrontal cortex are not the same of neurons in uh, motor, premotor or sensory areas. Mm -hmm. The amount of discharge of these neurons is very low often. Right. So this means that the signal is a, is a noisy signal by definition because mm -hmm. if you discharge rate is 10 hertz 10 spike per second then right. the possibility to replicate by trial by trial mm -hmm. the same code is very it's very difficult than when your neurons discharge uh, 80 100 sure. hertz hmm. but it was surprising yeah. that some of the neurons you reported are at a relatively elevated firing rate like you reported neurons up to 50 hertz which seems rather than exceptional yeah. for that for that area uh, it's true but uh, i still consider up to 50 hertz a uh, low rate okay all right yeah. so then so 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 okay here we a have anyway in mm -hmm. the sorry in the delayed epoch mm -hmm. uh, it's where these neurons are more able to express their self generally speaking the delay epoch is where the prefrontal cortex has been often studied for the one of the characteristics that uh, mm -hmm. is assigned to the prefrontal cortex that is the working memory right so the working memory is often very well uh, able to activate this news mm -hmm. okay and the delay activity too so so now now we have our our transitive inference task and you show monkeys can do it mm -hmm. um but now you you have also taken this as as a, a method if you want to look at certain uh, neuropathologies, mm -hmm. right, like schizophrenia. Yeah. So, so why why is, is this relevant if we try to understand schizophrenia? Uh, let's say that this is just the beginning of a story that uh, we we started recently. Uh, the, the reason uh, is the, our goal is to 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 link pharmacology and uh, uh, the electrophysiology with different methods. In, um, in particular, the idea of, of this study that I present today is that uh, it's well known that schizophrenic patients as deficit have deficit in uh, solving uh, the transitive inference mm -hmm. task. Uh, and since uh, uh, there is a drug that is ketamine that is, has been used often in uh, animal model to provide. Uh, one of the pos support to one of the possible uh, mm, uh, model of schizophrenia that's is that, that the one related to the dopamine uh, mm -hmm. uh, use in the brain uh, we, we we tested if uh, ketamine as a, a 
receptor agonist of the NMDA, that is one of the receptor of dopamine in the brain, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's able to modulate uh, the uh, behavioral response to, uh, of the animal that the, we, we trained in the transitive inference. Mm -hmm. And the figure that came out is that the answer is yes, the, the ketamine is able to, uh, to reduce the efficiency of this animal to solve the task. And what is interesting is that the, the, the performance in particular uh, reduced in the, in more in the, in the figures that are uh, transitive, considered transitive. Mm -hmm. That means uh, those that are, uh, uh, are about comparison between uh, never experience and the farcher more, those that doesn't not include the extreme spares that mm -hmm. are, are others uh, refers as a, uh, refer as a anchor point. So, but what you see in the monkey was a degradation of, of performance? Yeah, generally it was quite uh, similar for all the comparison, but uh, we further explored the data and uh, the, uh, the, the, the result is that the, the statistical significance is particular for the uh, comparison that are more related to the uh, transitive inference capability. Mm -hmm. Okay, but then that so was also exactly what was observed in uh, schizophrenic patients. Okay. So schizophrenic patients has no problem on concluding which one is uh, uh, has more value of, of A and B, B and C on A and F, mm -hmm. including the anchor point or B and F, because once again that's included the anchor point. While uh, when the the uh, the question is which which is higher between B and E. Mm -hmm. Then uh, the deficit emerge, uh, mm -hmm. emerge, and the same uh, happens in our monkey after, under sub-anesthetic doses of ketamine. Mm -hmm. But now, how do you explain that in terms of the action of ketamine? Uh, okay, I think it's the, the one of the possibilities once again to believe that the the way how the uh, uh, representation is on the brain at the level of the neurons. It's very noisy, mm -hmm. and that the ketamine uh, reducing the efficiency of uh, uh, dopamine is increasing the noise and mm -hmm. then making it more difficult to the comparison. Okay. But now schizophrenia is also a, a affecting, let's say, experience, subjective experience, mm -hmm. right? So it has a very specific phenomenology as well. So do you believe that the same holds for the monkey? So, th th in other words, is this task actually also informing us about the role of consciousness in decision making, or you see it really as disconnected from those phenomena? I think it's very difficult to conclude uh, mm -hmm. such a. Uh, it's a very no, but I'm just, uh, because for me, I mean, we have no evidence that the monkey has. Uh, it's really dissociative. We know that the ketamine is a dissociative drug. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I don't know how much is uh, our dosage is was able to. Uh, to really produce a monkey dissociated from the reality, mm -hmm. because we we want we, we want to have the monkey still able to to, to perform the task. Actually, the right. monkey was still performing mm -hmm. the task with a good yeah. percentage of success. Mm -hmm. Okay, but uh, the the deficit was selective for a portion of the task, not mm -hmm. for the whole task. No, but so it, uh, I I don't know if this could be used. Uh, it's a very easy, I think, uh, mm, result. Uh, for, might be too simple that uh, uh, to argument that maybe the monkey was consciously 
unable to participate to the mm -hmm. transitive inference. That is a conclusion. Mm -hmm. No, that, that, was, that would not be my conclusion. Uh, uh, my conclusion would be more like, if you use this paradigm as a way to also investigate schizophrenia, mm -hmm. is it then not by implication the case that we are implicitly also probing conscious states and conscious operations in this monkey, and not only logical ones? Mm, yeah, my, it, it needs to be explored. Uh, of course, no, it's clear. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. Since the drug here, right? is able to to modulate consciousness, mm -hmm. uh, it's by definition yeah, one exactly, of the possibility. Exactly right. that, that was I my agree. point. I agree with okay. you. Um, so, so basically the conclusion then is that, um, okay, you also on top of that showed, which was very interesting, that if you, if you now in, in this task go to a next level of, of description of the physiology of the monkey brain, which is the local field potential, mm -hmm. That you also find correlates there yeah. of uh, this transitive inference. So, yeah. what did you observe there exactly? Okay, the, uh, for us, the the analysis of local field uh, was uh, a, a direct consequence uh, of the observation in humans uh, that uh, fMRI is uh, modulated by by the uh, transitive comparison in uh, in a transitive inference task. It seems uh, it's commonly accepted that, that the um, most close uh, neurophysiological signal to the bold activity of fMRI is the local field. For us, it was very important to look also to the mm -hmm. local field modulation right. during the task. So it, it probably was not a surprise anymore after finding that the uh, single neuron firing rate was modulated to find that also that the local field was modulated. Mm -hmm. But it's also important to 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 to, uh, to, to show evidence of this because uh, some some way uh, put the the again at the level of the multi scale that means local computation or remote computation that need to be uh, further studied in in the future because local field has access to the synaptic integration mm -hmm. so we don't know from where the signals came. And uh, to local reverberation from the mm -hmm. level of the gamma, uh, even if we haven't been able to show a strong effect uh, at the level of the gamma in the local field, but at the level of the low components that are right. those more related yeah. to the input from mm -hmm. the thalamus or from the other cortical mm -hmm. area like the hippocampus, right. once again, or the posterior mm -hmm. parietal region. But you seemed to show that that the deflections in this local field potential correlated very specifically with properties of the task. Absolutely. Right? Actually, we have been able to find a very strong uh, relationship more with the local field than with a single unit. Mm -hmm. And the reason could be mm, different. Uh, one is that the single neuron uh, expressed their contribution with different tuning uh, forms. So, mm -hmm. uh, Sometimes where uh, with a shape very similar to the performance, like in the serial position of a U-shape. Other time, it was, in, was inverted. And as I, as I uh, say before, uh, the noisy level of the single unity was sometimes too much to reach significance. Mm -hmm. So, the, and uh, also the, 
the the time in the task from uh, the pair presentation to the uh, decision time that is uh, after the go signal so during a delay uh, uh, for the single neuronal was uh, uh, never uh, I'll, I'll say often not the same mm -hmm. I mean that the single neuronal are able to express their contribution at the beginning of the delay at the middle part of the delay or the late portion of the delay while for the local field it was very time located to mm -hmm. the to the pair presentation at about 400 milliseconds right and this allowed to the to extract probably a, a better signal to find a correlation as the mm -hmm. one we found. But but it's interesting to see that you don't have such a tight correlation with your single cell recording. So would that suggest that there's an other dynamic process at work that shapes this local field potential? Like other synaptic um, activities that you don't pick up with, with your single cell? Measurements that shape the local field potential. Uh, uh, yeah, the the single uh, unit activity is really local. Mm -hmm. Okay, while the local field, uh, uh, by definition, uh, is able to to sample at least uh, a volume that is uh, huge compared to exactly. the single uh, mm -hmm. single unit. So, uh, for sure, the the conclusion is that uh, we are not looking at the same uh, mm -hmm. computational level. Right. No? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and actually, the better uh, performance of the single unit coding is when the neons are considered together, forming a population. Mm -hmm. uh, local field is, by definition, a mesoscopic approach. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, so, this is uh, probably mm -hmm. uh, expected that uh, if a signal is there, it's much easier to, right. to, to be found and mm -hmm. maybe correlated with BA. Right. But so, so, the, so, the experiments you describe basically suggest that the monkey that we investigate, and possibly also humans, organize the information that they need in this transitive inference task on a line mm -hmm. of magnitude, of magnitude relations in some sense. And this line is very, very well demarcated at the beginning and the end. Mm -hmm. Okay? Correct. So uh, how long can those sequences be, you think, for the monkey? For our monkey, I think that need to be, they need to vanish soon. However, okay. however, uh, I haven't shown this data today, but uh, we we asked the monkey some time to play with the f the series of uh, that was learned the day before, mm -hmm. when yeah. the the series is still there. Uh -huh. Even if the monkey knows that uh, it's better for 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 for, for, for him to. For his, for the, the for uh, for his to 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 have a, a very good performance to forget completely what was the mm -hmm. assignment of figures uh, the day before because uh, they are never used. Right, exactly. So, mm. But uh, the, w once again, there is something that is implicit, probably. Yeah. Uh, there's something there. I'm no I'm not thinking to use them, but uh, if I'm asked to use, uh -huh. uh, I'm ready to. Right, exactly. The performance was very rapid mm -hmm. uh, and uh, perfect yes. the day after. Oh. We have no uh, tested uh, other days, I mean mm -hmm. two days or three days, right. where, so I don't know uh, how long that, it that's remains. That's astonishing, yeah. yeah. But then the other thing is, so so there's this famous, or the snark effect that, that yeah. Stan DeHaan has, has written a lot about, or about and others, where which shows that also humans, when they have to deal with magnitude judgments, so let's say something is bigger or smaller than something else and so on, that there's a very specific spatial bias. Mm -hmm. right? So for instance, if you have to respond with your left hand, your, 
you respond more quickly to small, lower magnitudes, and with the right hand you're faster when the magnitude is higher. Also suggesting that there is some spatial organization of magnitude judgments. And what I found interesting about that is if we compare that to your results, mm -hmm. you want to you interpret your results as also the title of your talk suggested as the ability to perform logical operations, right? But in some sense, I could also argue, well, look, maybe this is all just spatially organized and I use associative rules, I use analog reasoning, mm -hmm. if you want, to then make these magnitude judgments. So is it really necessary to interpret your results in terms of logical operations? It's just the definition of logic. Mm -hmm. uh, I be you as a, as a psychologist, if I'm not wrong, mm -hmm. uh, by training, uh, uh, you are, you, your definition of, ops, uh, of logic is much more strong than the one that uh, I'm using at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I agree that uh, the, 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 the monkey is using a, a space as a model mm -hmm. to solve a task. Mm -hmm. If the solution of this task is logic, it's a term of uh, definition. And uh, in my point, uh, it's logic, whatever is more than uh, what was uh, available by, uh, by, uh, by the information provided at the beginning. Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I so uh, it's yeah. not a level of logic uh, that uh, uh, is probably in your mind. Right. Mm. But it's well, a we, first we are... level of uh, be able to... Uh, to conclude, mm -hmm. if then, right, uh, mm -hmm. it's very elementary. Okay. But remember that these are uh, non-human mm -hmm. primates. Yes, and uh, and uh, mm -hmm. as an animal, we don't know if they are able to. We have no argument to conclude that they are, in particular, for non-verbal mm -hmm. conclusion, uh, able to to have a, uh, to use comp uh, arguments properly mm -hmm. to obtain new information. Right. No, but it also means that maybe what you're showing us here is an alternative way how we can think about cognitive operations that give rise to behavior regularities that we as observers can interpret in logical terms, but that actually follow very different principles. And the same might hold for our own oper uh, cognitive operations, uh -huh. right? That we also then, let's say now, uh, a posteriori, describe them as logical operations. But it actually, in terms of the internal operations, it's much more an analog, spatially organized process. I mean, would you would you consider that still as an uh, open I, option? I, I agree with this. Actually, uh, it's a it's a behavior experiment that we performed in the humans. Uh, well, but I think it's important to describe at this point, uh, at the beginning of our testing and uh, with the animals, we asked the normal subjects uh, at the students' uh, level of age to perform a transitive inference task while changing their gates. Mm -hmm. So looking at the left or to the right. right. So the, for the, the visual attributes of the symbols and the primary goal of the, of, the, of the subject was not related at all with the gates. But still the gates mm -hmm. is able to interfere as ketamine with the uh, subject right. performance. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So looking left or right mm -hmm. in a whatever, it's like changing a, a, fra a ref reference frame mm -hmm. for a mental operation. Right, exactly. It's not a logic operation, but maybe mm -hmm. I agree with you, but it's a mental operation mm -hmm. in the terms that in, uh, in, the, in a space that is no physical, mm -hmm. these symbols need to be exactly. represented. Right. 
-hmm. And this space could mm -hmm. be uh, modulated by a physical uh, uh, signal. That is the angle of gates that normally right. uh, is well known mm -hmm. to be able to modulate visual response in the in the in the space. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. No, so we're saying the we same thing, right? And I think it's also on that on that account that I find that your results I think are, are very exciting. But now, so so you, you're active in in neuroscience systems, neuroscience. You look at these really complex processes, logical operations in monkeys, whether they are intrinsically logical or not. It's very interesting and very exciting. You started as a neurologist, switching over into neuroscience. So, if we would like to follow. Uh, the study of the brain in the tradition of Stefano Ferreira, what would be the Stefano law of the study of the brain? I think that it's a little bit uh, far from uh, some uh, rules that are currently mm -hmm. uh, uh, f uh, available at the financing level uh, in Europe. Okay. I want to first to know exactly how the brain works mm -hmm. and then maybe to model it, uh -huh. to understand properly and to translationally apply to this knowledge to pathology. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, and then predictions. So soon I'm going to come to Rome four years from now. I'm going to go to your lab mm -hmm. and I'm going to ask you, okay, four years ago, you gave me this prediction. Um, show me whether you tested it and what was the outcome. So what's the one prediction you would, you would make today that you feel most committed to? Uh, for the four years, next four yep, years? Four years, yes. Okay, let's consider first that uh, monkey experiments, primate experiments in general are very slow. Mm -hmm. So in four years, uh, I will be able probably to complete just one experiment. <laughs> or let's say uh, to have one finish at the, the second mm -hmm. one at the middle of the, of the trip. Mm -hmm. So, but the, the, the next uh, for me, it will be to, to be able to record from uh, many areas on the brain simultaneously. Uh, in this task and other tasks that I'm using at the moment in the lab, we are using it in the lab, uh, I, and at the same time to have access to different uh, level of the neural signal mm -hmm. to provide a better decode to the mm -hmm. to whatever is going on in the in the population mm -hmm. so controlling the behavior that I'm interested. So, in particular, for the uh, for the uh, transitive inference task, uh, we are uh, already um, studying the premotor cortex, and uh, the goal is to to go to the posterior parietal, following what is the uh, the, the network described in humans, and uh, by having access to a high resolution signal mm -hmm. to provide a details mm -hmm. what is, on what is still unknown on the uh, possibility of the brain to provide support to such a, mm -hmm. uh, a behavior. Like. But that seems very methodological. Do you have a specific prediction you're testing and doing this? Uh, the, 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 the prediction is that the, the the, the, but it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not common to, to, it's not very singular, but uh, I still uh, believe that need to be, uh, uh, it's, it's not very original, but st still I believe it need to be confirmed properly that the, uh, the behavior, uh, like the one that I'm studying, need to be coordinated by different areas. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. I would like to find the, mm -hmm. the, the key mm -hmm. of how this coordination uh, happens. Okay. 
Great. Stefano Ferreira, thank you very much for this conversation. Thank you, Paul. The CSN podcast was produced by the Convergent Science Network of Biomimetics and Biohybrid Systems, a project funded by the European 7th Research Framework Programme. For more interviews, recorded lectures, or upcoming conferences in the field of biomimetics and biohybrid systems, go to csnnetwork.eu. And thank you for listening.